If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the podcast from One Cause Church. Restore. Look at your neighbor and say, God will restore. Look at your other neighbor and say, God will restore. And in that word, I brought the five major areas that God promises restoration. That in Jeremiah 30, verse 17, I will restore health unto you and bring healing to every wound. Then we looked at Joel chapter 2, verse 23, where God will restore time, the years, the locusts have eaten. In Nahum chapter 2, verse 1, we talked about God will restore excellence. Zechariah 9, 12, we looked at God will restore double. And then Acts 3, 19, God will restore all things. <clears throat> Those are the five things that God promises he will restore. Tonight, I'm going to do the second part of this message. And I believe God will restore your life tonight. I believe that. That he is the God of restoration. We looked at the five major places where God promises he will restore. Tonight, we're going to look at how he restores. And I'm going to ask you to take a pen and a piece of paper, something to write with, something to write on. And I'm going to give you the seven ways using the word restore, R-E-S-T-O-R-E. I'm going to give you the seven ways that God promises he will restore in our life. And it's my prayer that from this moment on, when you look at the word restore, that you will see it completely different. You will see it with a a view of expectation. You will see it with a view of faith, a view of trust. That when you look at the word restore, you will remember where God promises how he's going to restore. And since we will know how, we will begin to expect those things to happen. Expectancy is the breeding ground for miracles. Expectancy establishes the atmosphere where miracles can be birthed and can work in our lives. And tonight, we're going to set an expectation because we're going to be watching and looking in these areas for God to restore in our lives. Are you ready for restoration? Anybody else in the house need restoration besides me? Anybody else in the house have an area or two areas or three areas that you want God to restore? Restore a family. Restore a family member. Restore your finances. Restore a ministry. Restore some area of life. And I was sitting, the reason why I'm I'm preaching on this and teaching this tonight is I was sitting in a, a staff meeting I was not holding the meeting. I was actually a participant in the meeting, a student uh, listening. And the minister said, capsulize the ministry that God's called you into in one word or one short phrase. And went around the room, and it was instantly I knew exactly the word that God had given me. And he came to me, and I said, restoration. God will restore That's the life message that God has given to me. Uh, David was actually uh, born here in Dallas, but at one year of age, he and his older brother and their mother, we moved to Las Vegas, Nevada, and we started a church. 
with nine people in a hotel conference room in a city we had no idea who, who lived there, who didn't live there. We didn't know anybody in the city. We were out of Victory Christian Center in Tulsa, and we'd gone to Bible school there, and then we launched out to Las Vegas and started a church in, August, in October, I'm sorry, August of 1991, like I said, with nine people, and five of which came in my car. two of which were Nathan and his older brother. So we, we counted everything back then. You know, every person, every, every rat, every mouse, every co- whatever. And so we started that, and uh, God blessed us. And uh, on our 10th anniversary, we were in our third facility, and we had a little over 1,000 people. And uh, God really worked. And, and David lived. That's his home. I mean, he was there for... Uh, 16 years. He was 16 when we left. So through a chain of events and through a, a divorce, uh, David and I and his older brother, we moved back to Dallas in 06. And since 06, I have been preaching and believing God for complete restoration. And, and the 15th of next month, that restoration project starts. David and I are moving back to Las Vegas. There's a group of people, a core of people, uh, that have stayed together and uh, they've called and they've said, Pastor, we just, there's nothing like what we had in this city. Would you please come back? And so we are going back to redig the wells, and it's been seven years. Uh, my personal tribulation, seven years of tribulation. No, that's a little, per- little joke there. Um, but anyway, we're excited and we're living this message. I'm not, I'm, I'm not preaching something or teaching something I read out of somebody else's book or something, that, and that's fine to do those things, but I'm not, I, this is a life message for me, something that I've been believing and praying for and experiencing, and now we're going to step into the next phase of it in the, fifth, the 15th of next month, okay? All right, Isaiah, we're going to start in Isaiah, we're going to take the word R-E-S-T-O-R-E, restore, and uh, each letter, we're going to talk about that particular area where God promises that he will restore, and this is how he's going to do it. Okay, the R. The R stands for replace, that God will replace. And this is Isaiah chapter 61, beginning at verse 1. Okay, I'm going to be reading. You guys have the new King James Version? Okay, that's what I'm going to be reading out of. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, verse 3 is the key, to console those who mourn in Zion, and this is how he's going to console them, to give them beauty for ashes the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now, let me read this uh, verse 3 to you in the Amplified Version. It gives a little bit different look at it. Verse 3, to grant consolation and joy to those who mourn in Zion. And this is how he's going to grant that consolation and joy, to give them an ornament a garland or diadem of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment expressive of praise instead of a heavy, burdened, and failing spirit. Okay? 
Now, that word consolation, that he will grant to them consolation. He will console them. If you study that word out, it very simply means this. God will make it up to you. Look at somebody and tell them that. God will make it up to you. Now look at somebody else and tell them. God will make it up to you. That he will grant you consolation. He will console you. Beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. Garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. God will replace. No matter what you've lost, no matter how much it was, no matter how long ago it was, God will replace Everything that's been lost, been stolen, been forfeited, been walked away from, it doesn't matter if it was your fault, somebody else's fault, doesn't matter if you did it, if they did it, God will replace. He will make it up to you. Okay, Pastor, that sounds great, but I need Bible for that. Okay, I'm glad you asked. The book of Ruth is an incredible story of how God promises and how he performs replacing things that have been lost. David, King David and Bathsheba, incredible story of how God promises that he will replace what has been lost. Let me first start with David and Bathsheba. I'm sure you know the story. I'm sure you've heard the story. Then let me just give you a brief, brief recap. Maybe you didn't think about it in this frame of reference. David, the Bible says, is on the porch in the spring when the kings are at war. What's wrong with this picture? David is a king. He's supposed to be at war, but he's not where he's supposed to be. So he ends up seeing what he was not supposed to see, which causes him to do what he was not supposed to do. Amen? Where being where we are supposed to be in the place God has for us is vital. It's essential to every area of our life. God made places before he made people. Amen? God made the place and he created the people in the place. And that's why people have been asking me, well, why, why go to Las Vegas? Why stay here, start a church here? That's our place. That's the place God created for us to be, right? Okay, so here's David. He sees Bathsheba, takes Bathsheba to himself, all right? They have a child. That child grows sick. David prays. He intercedes for that child. That child dies. The prophet Nathan comes to David, tells David the story of the man that takes the sheep, the one sheep from the shepherd. And he was a shepherd that had many sheep. And David said, who is this man? I will destroy and kill and replace that sheep that was taken. And you know the story? Nathan said, you're the man. David fell in repentance and begged God for mercy and for restoration. The boy that was born to he and Bathsheba died. But because of his repentance and his humility, he cried out to God and God replaced that son with another son known as Solomon, the wisest man ever to live. Think about this. 
a son that was born in sin, David's sin caused something to happen that death came and God restored with not just another son, but with a king that would take Israel to places David could only dream about. God will replace. Now think about Naomi and Ruth. Naomi is a Moabitess. She's not from the family of God, okay? I'm sorry, Ruth is, Naomi is uh, an Israelite, but the daughter-in-law, Ruth, is not. Got the characters mixed up. Okay. Naomi has several sons, and Ruth is married to one of those sons. The sons pass away, and in her anguish, the mother cries out and says, I've got to go back to my homeland. But Ruth, you stay here. And Ruth has a choice. She can either be like the other daughter-in-law, Oprah. You want to hear a little side note? I heard Oprah Winfrey interviewed, and she said that's what her name was supposed to be. Orpah. Oprah. Orpah. O-R-P-A-H. The nurse filling out the birth certificate misspelt it. And her name became Oprah. Instead of O-R-P-A-H, it became O-P-R-H, Oprah. Anyway, Jesus come back in the room. <laughs> okay. She looks at Ruth and says, I can't provide you another son. Stay here, stay in your homeland, and try to get someone else to marry you. And Ruth says that beautiful line, no, wherever you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And there, Ruth attached herself to Naomi as Naomi went back to the, to the people of God. Okay? So here comes Ruth, and she's serving. The Bible says she serves her mother-in-law better than seven sons serve their own mother. And there, because she had lost her husband, she had lost her husband, which was Naomi's son, but she cleaned, she joined herself to her mother-in-law, and she served her mother-in-law. A man named Boaz noticed how she served Naomi, heard the story, and began to watch Ruth as Ruth was serving and was selfless and was giving of herself that the time came when Boaz said, I want to take you to be my own, and became her husband. The wealthiest man in town became her husband. I would say that's a good thing about God replacing, right? Yeah. God replaced that husband with the wealthiest man. Now, here is the hope in those two stories. We have two extremes. We have David over here doing everything wrong and God replaces with King Solomon. Then we have Ruth and Naomi over here and Ruth does everything right and God replaces with Boaz, the wealthiest man in town. So it doesn't matter if you're doing everything right and here's the real hope, it doesn't matter if you're doing everything wrong, God will replace whatever's been lost. Hallelujah. And God doesn't just replace 
and restore, he takes it far beyond anything we can imagine, hope, dream, or think of. He is that Ephesians 3.20 God. Does that make sense? So there's hope tonight if you've messed up. There's hope tonight if you've blown it. There's hope tonight because God will restore based on his goodness, not based on our performance. That gives me hope that God will replace and restore. Erase. E. Number two, the second way that God restores. Erase. This is found in the book of Genesis, chapter 41, verse 51 and 52. Genesis 41, 51 and 52. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. Genesis 41, 51 and 52. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second he called Ephraim, for God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Now, the story of Joseph is familiar. Starts in Genesis 37, goes through Genesis 50. Thirteen chapters. The story of Joseph is told in detail. The, uh, next to the youngest, he's taken by his older brothers, sold into slavery. Well, first left for dead, then sold into slavery. There, in slavery, God elevates him to the top of the household. The master held nothing back except his wife. That wife wanted Joseph, and he stood for righteousness and integrity. I will not sin against my God, and fled. She grabbed his coat, turned him in, falsely accused him, so they imprisoned him. So now he goes from a slave to a prisoner. But there, God elevates him again, right? And in prison, he's forgotten by the butler and the baker. But the day comes when Pharaoh calls to have the dream, calls for Joseph to have the dream interpreted. And there, Joseph, after 13 years of toil, of hard work, of abandonment, rejection, false accusation, there, he is promoted to second in charge of the entire known world and given a beautiful daughter of Pharaoh to marry. Marries that, that daughter of Abraham, has two, that daughter of Pharaoh, has two sons. The first he calls Manasseh. And in the joy of that moment, in the joy of having that firstborn son, he looks and says, his name will be Manasseh because of this moment of joy, God has caused me to forget the toil of my father's house, to forget all of the pain and the suffering. God has caused me, in other words, he has erased my past by giving me such great joy in this moment. Think about this. I'm believing God, and I'm speaking to you prophetically tonight. I'm believing God that you will have your Manasseh moment. That the moment will come that God will erase all the pain, all the hurt, all the suffering because of what God is giving birth to in your life. 
that restoration that God is giving birth to, in that moment you will have a Manasseh experience and God will erase everything that's caused the hurt and the anguish and the torment, the fear, the trepidation, the anxiety, the worry. God will erase all of that with the joy that he's bringing into your life. Your Manasseh moment is here right now, and you will experience it. Look at your neighbor and say, I believe it. Look at your neighbor and say, I receive it tonight. This is your Manasseh moment that God will erase all of the nightmares, all of the daydreams, all of the horror, everything that caused that hurt, God will erase. And Joseph had experienced the hurt of a thousand lifetimes, but God erased it in that moment, in that Manasseh moment. Does that make sense? Do you understand what we're talking about, how God will erase? Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5. Isaiah talking about Jesus. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him smitten of God. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that purchased our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Jesus, we've just celebrated the resurrection, the crucifixion, the death, the burial, the resurrection. We've just celebrated Resurrection Day. Hear this, Jesus died for it so we would not die from it. Jesus erased that sin. Surely he's borne our griefs. Surely he's carried our sorrows. He has erased that grief and that sorrow from our life. He died for it so we would not die from it. Paul was Saul of Tarsus. Saul was persecuting the church in Acts 17. Acts, no, further back, somewhere in Acts. It's in Acts. Paul was persecuting the church. And on the road to Damascus, Saul had a turnaround experience. As my mother would say, God knocked him off his high horse. That's a little old school there. Saul had a turnaround experience on the road to Damascus and became Paul. And he would later write in Philippians 3, 13 and 14... I forget those things that are behind. And I reach forward. How could he say that? How could he say he forgets the Christians he persecuted, imprisoned, even killed? He was there when Stephen was stoned. How can he say, I forget those things that are behind, and I press, I reach for the call, the call, the high mark of God in Christ? How can he do that? Because God will erase. God will erase. Surely he's carried those griefs and those sorrows. So tonight, I want to encourage you. God will restore because he will erase everything in your life and give you that Manasseh moment. R-E-S. How, how will God restore? He will replace, he will erase, and S, he will salvage. 
2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. He will salvage. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. The Bible says, A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. Story is this. A woman lost her husband. They were deeply in debt. And the creditors came to take the sons to pay the debt. So she comes to the prophet and says, what am I going to do? And the prophet asks the question, what's in your house? She says, nothing. I've sold it all. I've, I've, I've done everything I can do. There's nothing left. I've given everything to pay this debt, and it's not enough. The prophet asked her again, what's in your house? She said, nothing. I told you. I have nothing left. And the prophet said, what's in your house? Kept asking her over and over again. Why? Because the prophet knew that there was something that God could use. There's always something left that God will use. She finally said, wait a minute, there's a little cruise of oil, but what is that to this great need? The prophet said instantly, go get every empty vessel and don't get just a few. So the sons went out, they borrowed every empty vessel and they began to pour. And as long as there was an empty vessel, the cruise of oil did not run out. And finally they brought the last empty vessel that vessel was filled and the cruise stopped. The cruise of oil stopped flowing. They came to the prophet. The prophet said, now go sell the oil, pay your debt, and live on the rest. The moral of the story is this. There's always something left. There's always something left for God to use in your life. There's always something left that God will salvage and bring your restoration Here's where we mess up. My, here's where we mess up. We've got to change our perspective. We've got to quit looking at what's lost and focus on what's left. Yeah. Amen. Amen? Quit looking on what's been lost and, 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 and longing for that. Quit looking for what's lost and focus on what's left in your life and God will use what's left in your life to salvage that and bring great restoration in every area of your life. This is so, there's, the stories are so full in the Bible of this promise. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says, We carry this treasure in an earthen vessel. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Whenever I choose to empty my life as a vessel, that's when God will pour his spirit into my life. Paul said, I've got to crucify and mortify the deeds of the flesh daily. I've got to humble myself and lay my life down I'm crucified with Christ daily and I present my life as an empty vessel and God begins to pour his spirit into my life. And we see this process in so many different lives of the people in the word. Jonah chapter 3 verse 2. This is so powerful. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Jonah was going the wrong direction. 
He got thrown off the ship into the belly of the fish. But God did not give up on him. God used what was left of Jonah. He came out of that fish and the word of the Lord came a second time. I believe that God's going to bring the Lord, no matter how far you've gone in the wrong direction, God's going to salvage your life. He's going to bring the word to you a second time. Amen? We see this not only in the life of Jonah, but we see it in the life of Samson. Samson, another example like David. Samson's father told him, don't go down to Gaza to pick a wife. What happened? He went to Gaza. Because he went where he was not supposed to go, he saw what he was not supposed to see, and he did what he was not supposed to do. We know the story. Three times, the third time, Delilah cuts his hair, and then he's imprisoned like, a, like a, a, an animal. He grinds out the wheat. And the saddest verse, this story to me has the saddest verse and the most glorious verse in the entire Old Testament, in this one story. The Bible says, when he shook himself the third time to fight the Philistines, he did not know the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him. He was going through the motions and thought everything was fine, but the Spirit of the Lord was not with him. So they bound him and to grind wheat like an animal. And there he was, bound, imprisoned, and seemingly lost everything. But now the most joyous verse in the entire Old Testament to me, the Bible says in Judges, but Samson's hair began to grow again. Hear that. I believe your hair is going to begin to grow again. And some men over 40 said amen. Of course, the hair being symbolic of the anointing of God. God took Samson, even in the condition and the state that he was in, God did not give up on Samson. Come on, church. Don't give up on God because he hasn't given up on you. It doesn't matter how far we've gone, how much we've done. God did not give up on Samson. His hair began to grow again. And God salvaged that life. And his final victory was better and more victorious than all the other victories combined. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. God didn't give up on Jonah. God didn't give up on Samson. And God has not given up on you tonight. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. God will salvage our lives. Amos chapter 3, verse 12. Amos 3, 12. Thus says the Lord, as a shepherd takes from the mouth of the lion two legs and a piece of the ear, so shall the children of Israel be taken out. If God can go into the mouth of destruction and pull out a leg and an ear, two legs and an ear, a piece of an ear, not a whole ear, just a piece, what is that symbolic of? As long as you've got a leg to stand on and an ear to hear, God will salvage that situation and turn that situation around for your good. Amen? As long as we're standing and as long as we're listening, God will salvage our lives. 
R-E-S-T. The T stands, are we learning anything tonight? The T stands for transform. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12. He'll replace, he'll erase, he'll salvage, he will transform. Romans 12, 1. Have y'all got that verse? Okay. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. In this process of restoration, there is the moment we must take personal responsibility, that I must accept responsibility for where I am. I've got to look in the mirror and say, this is me and you, okay? In this process of God restoring, there are things in our life that we need to change. It's called habit insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Okay, we've got to break that cycle. If I keep doing the same thing, I'm going to have the same results. I need to understand that God will transform my life. He will change my perspective. He will work in my life to break out of those things that keep putting me in the need of restoration. For example, I believe in healing. I believe in the miracle working power of God to heal our bodies. But if I keep getting healed and putting the wrong things into my body, I keep eating the wrong things, then I'm going to get sick again, and I'm going to get overweight, and I'm going to uh, have tired and sluggish, and, and, I've, and, and then I'm going to say, why do I feel bad? Why do I keep fighting this? Junk in, junk out, trash in, trash out, that type of situation, okay? I've got to be transformed. I've got to realize there's something better than the miracle of healing. It's called divine health. Amen? Amen. God has a higher level for us to attain to, a higher level for us to live. The abundant life that is known as divine health where we get out of this cycle of of healing and sickness and healing and sickness. So God will transform the way I think, transform the way I live so that I can not get in this thing of constantly needing to be restored. Does that make sense? Am I, am, am I mature enough to accept that and say, yes, God, change my life, change the way I think, change the actions that keep getting me where I need to be restored? Because here's the thing, really. I need to live in a, such a restored level that my eyes are lifted, that I'm not constantly focusing on me being restored, that I live at such a level of total restoration, I'm now reaching out and focusing on other people's restoration. Does that make sense? That God will transform our lives to where we can live at that level. Now, R-E-S-T, the next one is O. God will overturn God will over, this is how God will restore. He will overturn. Deuteronomy 28, 7. The Lord, Deuteronomy 28, 7. The Lord will cause the enemy that rises against you to be defeated. They shall come against you one way and flee before you seven. 
Isaiah 59, 19. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Yes, there is an enemy. Yes, there is a struggle. Yes, there is a battle. The Bible says you have an adversary that goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But Romans chapter 8 is such good news. If God be for us, who can be against us? Look at your neighbor and tell them God is on your side. I know you hear that a lot, but you need to hear it again. Tell them God is on your side. See, God will overturn that enemy. My favorite story of God doing this is 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I don't have time to turn there. Just let me tell it to you. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, beginning at verse 1 through about verse 20. The Bible says three enemies came against Jehoshaphat, the king, and the people of God. Amon, Moab, and Mount Seir. The enemies came. And today, that would mean it's not just the dishwasher that breaks down, but the roof leaks. It's not just the roof leaking, but the car won't start, right? It's not just one thing. It's always two. Not just one kid that's sick, but all three of them are sick, right? See, the enemy comes in like a flood, but the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. So here, the enemy is against Jehoshaphat. And he prays this prayer, Lord, we have no idea what to do against this great enemy, but our eyes are upon you. We're not looking at the size of the enemy. Our focus is upon you. We're not looking at how big they are. We're looking at how big you are. Church, it's time we quit going to God and telling God how big our mountain is and we start going to the mountain and telling it how big our God is. Does that make sense? There they began to pray. And the, the prophet said, Send out the praise and worship team. You will stand still. You, this, is your, this is your fight, but the battle is going to belong to the Lord, and the victory is going to be yours. They sent the praise and worship team out, and the Bible says when they began to praise God, the enemy turned against itself. Moab found, began to fight Mount Seir. Mount Seir began to fight Ammon. Ammon began to fight both of them, and the people just sat there and praised God while the enemy was overturned and destroyed itself. I hope you're hearing with spirit ears tonight that when our praise goes to God in the midst of the battle, that's when the battle is turned in our favor and the enemy will destroy itself. And we won't have to do anything but watch and praise God. The days of fighting are over and the days of praise and worship are increasing. Amen? Amen? That we can worship God, praise His name, and watch the enemy be totally confused and destroy itself. When the battle was over, the Bible says it took them three days to collect the spoil or the, or the prize of that victory in their life. See, it's God's desire for us to focus on praising Him and then receiving the victory instead of always fighting and battling and complaining against the enemy. Does that make sense? God will overturn that situation. 
Everything Satan meant for evil, Deuteronomy 23, 5. Everything Satan meant for evil, God will turn for our good. Everything Satan meant to hurt, God will use it to heal. Everything Satan meant to harm, God will turn it to help in our lives. That's the promise of God overturning and bringing great restoration in our lives. I've got to hurry. The R stands for to resurrect. God will resurrect. He'll overturn the O, and then the R stands for he will resurrect. Romans 4, 17 through 21. Romans 4, 17 through 21. God gives life to the dead and calls those things that be not as though they are. Tonight, God will resurrect every dream, every hope, every desire, every purpose, every plan, every assignment that appears to you, it has died. What is it tonight that's died? A relationship, a, a financial situation. How many, how many of us tonight have had a checking account die on us? Maybe an annuity, an IRA, or something financially has died. Things that were supposed to happen but never did. That promotion you were supposed to get. That raise you were supposed to get. That bonus that was yours. That contract that was yours, but it died. God will resurrect he will give life to those things that have died in your life. That's how he will restore. Two sisters came to Jesus. If you would have been here, our brother would not have died. And Jesus told him, I am the resurrection. The resurrection is here and it's happening now. I declare to you tonight, you are a resurrection looking for a place to happen. And God will use that resurrection power to restore everything. Jairus had lost his daughter. And they came and said, don't bother the master anymore, she's dead. What was the response from Jesus? If you can believe, all things are possible to them that believe. Are there any believers in the house tonight? Then all things are possible. Everything God will resurrect and bring life to what's died in your future. Whatever's been, whatever, whatever you've lost. And it doesn't matter if you were Ruth doing everything right or if you were David doing everything wrong. Now, I didn't mean any disparity to you folks over here. But, but, you know, God will make it happen and resurrect that in your life. And I've got to close with this. The E. This is my favorite one. We've gotten through everything to get to here. God will establish. One of the most comforting promises comes from Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5. I love this. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. May the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, hear this tonight, church, after you have suffered a while. Anybody suffered in here tonight? Yeah. 
Anybody going through some suffering right now? After you have suffered a while, this God of all grace will perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Now, hear this in the Amplified Version. This is so powerful. Hear this. The God of all grace who imparts all blessing and favor will himself complete you and make you what you ought to be. The God of all grace and favor and blessing, he himself will complete you and make you what you ought to be. Look at your neighbor and say, God's going to complete you. Look at your other neighbor and say, God's going to make you what you ought to be. After you have suffered a while, you came tonight to hear this word. The days of suffering are over. You've suffered a while. You came tonight to hear this word. God will strengthen. He will perfect. He will settle. And he will establish you. He's the God of all grace and favor and blessing. And he will make you what you ought to be. And hear this. He will complete you. Maybe your suffering came from what was missing in your life. Maybe there's something missing or someone missing. Whatever the situation, God's going to complete that. Suffering over and the God of all grace and mercy, the God of all blessing and favor, he will complete you and make you what you ought to be. Do you believe that tonight? Hear this. The storms that bring damage, the battles that bring wounds, But it's God who brings the completion and the establishment, the perfection and the settling. Write this down, Isaiah 42, verse 3. Just let me read it to you. Isaiah 42, verse 3. A bruised reed God will not break. A smoldering ember he will not quench. Now let me read it to you from the message. This is so good. God won't brush aside the bruised and the hurt. He won't disregard the small and insignificant, but God. Say, but God. But God will steadily and firmly set things right in your life. God will steadily and firmly set things right. God specializes in taking broken pieces and putting them back together again. That's God's specialty. And we see that. In that famous passage, Habakkuk, and I'm closing with this, Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vine, though the labor of the olive fail, and the fields yield no fruit, no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation, for the Lord God, He is my strength. Habakkuk said, I I don't have any money. What he's describing here are all the things in the economy of that day that brought prosperity, that brought abundance, that brought an income. And he said, I'm out of a job. I'm out of income, I don't have anything to eat, I don't have anything to sell, I don't have anything to do. Everything looks lost, yet I will rejoice 
in the Lord my God, for he is the God of my strength. Now, one last verse. Let me read this to you in the Amplified, same verse. God will make me to walk, not just stand in terror. Hear this. God will make me to walk, not just stand in terror, but to walk and make spiritual progress even upon every high place of trouble and suffering. That God will cause us to rise. He will elevate us above that trouble when we focus on who He is. Habakkuk tells us the key to being established, the key that God will use to unlock all the blessing and favor of our restoration. Yet, no matter what's going on, yet I will rejoice in my God. I will joy, rejoice in the joy of my salvation. David put it that way. And I want to encourage you tonight. It may look like nothing's going your direction. You may feel like that bruised reed or that smoldering ember. God specializes in taking what's left in our life and completely restoring in every area. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. And I pray that you will take this word, restore. You will take this word and you will encourage every broken heart. You will elevate and lift up every wounded spirit. That you will take every person's life, no one left out, no one missing, but everyone here tonight and listening to this podcast, everyone listening to this CD, that you will minister your restoration that you will replace, you will erase, you will salvage, you will transform, you will overturn, you will resurrect, you will establish in every heart, in every life. Now, I want to ask you right now, what's the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? That area that you're thinking about right now, that area that you thought was too far gone, that situation you thought was dead. That, that right now, yeah, what you're thinking of right now, God will restore that. If you will simply believe, nothing is impossible with our God. And nothing is impossible to those that believe. It's my prayer tonight that God will take this simple word, restore and change every area of your life. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Did we learn anything tonight? Amen. Amen. Wow. What an awesome, awesome word tonight. Thank you so much. Uh, I've got so much to chew on. Huh? So much to take in. It was just so rich, everything that was coming out of Pastor Bob tonight. I just, I think a lot of us sat in silence too, just to, just taking it in. Um, just wonderful, wonderful word. And how many of you believe tonight that this is for you? Yeah. 
This is for you. In some area in your life, this word came for you. I, I, that's the way Pastor Bob has ministered our church. Every time he's come, it's just been so right now for us. And uh, I know their faith has risen in my heart for things that um, I haven't thought about in, in a while and maybe just you know, pushed back too far to, to think about. But God brought some things to remembrance tonight, and uh, I'm believing for total restoration. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And David, incredible tonight. Thank you so much for bringing the ministry. Can we just do something? We're going to receive the offering in just a moment. I want us all just, if you would, just stretch your hands this way. Father, we thank you, God, for the restoration work right now that is being done in their lives, Lord, as they go back to Las Vegas in faith. Lord, I thank you that you have prepared hearts. You have made roads, Lord. You have made connections. You've you're bringing in people. You're, you're, you're making f- friendships. You're building relationships even right now. Lord, you're, you're calling workers, those equipped for the work of the ministry. Lord, we, we thank you for the building. We thank you, Lord, for the parking lot. We thank you, Father God, that you, the, for the finances to do it. Lord, I believe that even as I've spoken to Pastor Bob, that this is going to be a time of rest. This is not something that they're going to have to strive in. It's something they're there to receive from God. God's doing all the work. God's doing all the restoration. They're going to step into it and see the salvation of their God. I thank you, my God, Lord, for prosperity. I thank you for health in their bodies, strength in their minds and hearts, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And I thank you that every scheme and tactic and plan of the devil has come to nothing but failure. In the name of Jesus, every tongue that has risen against them in judgment, no, nope, they condemn in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, because it's God who justifies. It's Christ who died. Who can condemn? Who can bring a charge? And I thank you now, God, in the days ahead, for one thing after another, God, things clicking into place, Lord. And as they, as they walk in this ministry, Lord, they will walk in the flow of the Spirit of God, the flow of the anointing, Lord, and the ease of your burden. You said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And these years, God, these years that are ahead, Lord, Father, I thank you in Jesus' name that even in one year, what was accomplished in 10 plus, Lord, will be in the shadows of that one year. And we thank you, Father God, for great, great harvest, great multiplication in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, at this time, I want us to prepare an offering. Uh, Pastor, Pastor Bob didn't mention t- tonight uh, about their trip to Brazil. Um, now, so to him, however, we're just going to bless them and then they're going to do with the funds whatever they need to, whether it's with the church in Vegas or, but they're going to, is it August? August they'll be going to Fortaleza, Brazil. Can you take just a moment and tell them the new connection this year that happened? And, uh, yeah. Um, thank you, Pastor. Um, when we were there last year and many of you uh, helped us, when I was here in July last year and you helped us go and I'm so appreciative of that. At that conference, David did the worship and I taught. There was a assemb- group of Assembly of God pastors there. 
and they asked us to come on the one night we had off and uh, to their little, not little, but to their area meeting on a Friday night, and there was like 50 or 75 of their pastors. Well, the main pastor over the whole state was there, heard us, myself and the interpreter, and invited us to come back to their conference, their statewide conference, this coming August. And there's over 400 churches. They're anticipating 800 pastors at that conference that David and I will be the main keynote speakers every night for four nights. So we're having that conference. Then we have two days. And then we go to our own conference, which we're anticipating about 750 pastors there. We had over 500 last year. And we're anticipating 750. So we're looking at around 1,500 pastors in two different conferences that we'll be ministering to. And these are inner city churches. It's a city called, a little area called Calcaia, about 3 million people in the major metropolitan area of Fortaleza. And they are so excited about us coming because they said, all the big guys, they go just to Fortaleza but nobody comes to the inner city. We're so thankful for you coming. So we'll be going in. It's called trickle down. We, God gave us the word trickle down impact. David and I impact the ministers, the pastors. They go impact the people. The people impact the city. And we're going to see great things because of it. So we appreciate you partnering with us and blessing and helping us make this happen. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We would like to invite you to one of our service times in either McKinney or Dallas. Sunday mornings in McKinney at 9.30 and 11, and Wednesday evenings at 7, and in Dallas, 10.30 Sunday mornings, and our 1 o'clock One Cause Dallas Espanol service. You can find out more information about our church at onecausechurch.com. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, there is also a link on the front page of our website.